Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. We have a Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Liu. Once again, the draft is upon us. Uh, and, you know, in, in Bobby's own words, and general manager Bobby Webster's own words, we're exhausted by this. Blake, I know you're <laughs> exhausted, man. How are you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm fine. I, uh... You're not tired of this? You're not tired of looking at teenagers play basketball in like really unserious situations and trying to project where they're going to be in 10 years? Yeah. Am I not uh, looking at Jalen Suggs, who as a 19-year-old was on a team so much better than everyone else that they were playing against until the later parts of the NCAA tournament? And as Jacob Mack called it, running meme plays uh, for Suggs on offense. Um, Yeah, it's a little hard to... uh, it's a little hard, hard to project where I think my biggest takeaway from diving in on a lot of the college prospects. And obviously as I prepare for the draft, you know, we got to cover the Raptors full time. I can't, we can't be watching all these college kids with uh, an eye toward the NBA all season long. But as I catch up, I kind of feel like I've not, not gotten higher on the G league ignite kids necessarily, but I've, I've definitely come to the conclusion that I think it's easier to evaluate some stuff in that environment where like, Jalen Green is doing that stuff against actual NBA defenders where Jalen Suggs, you know, some of those games are against guys we're going to see in the Raptors Republic three on three tournament. All right. Come on, man. Yeah, it's not it's not that bad. But I, I do think that especially with the the shrunk G League this last year, where like everyone on a roster was normally like a top eight rotation guy in the G League, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a little bit more, I guess, fidelity for, from those games than uh you know, at least some of these non-conference or, or Appalachian State games that some of these guys play. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast, uh, Chad Ford's podcast on, you know, where he had uh, David Thorpe on. And obviously Thorpe is very close with Masai. Gave Masai his start in the business, something like that. It's way, way, way back now. Uh, but he was talking about his impression. And it was really interesting to me because I was – I thought the same as you, like the G League would be a lot better in terms of evaluation. Um, you have obviously 
uh, full-grown athletes to, to compete against guys who are there professionally, guys who have more incentive to be there, quite honestly. I think that's mm-hmm. one difference, too. It's just like you're a collegiate player. Yes, you have incentive to play, but your, your incentive is not quite the same. You might be worrying about finishing your, uh, you know, your, your, your microeconomics homework, <laughs> <laughs> things like that. But uh, maybe that was just us. I don't know. But um, I don't know. Forbes' point was that there was very little coaching going on, almost less so than in college, which I – don't know if you got that same impression watching the, the, the Ignite teams. First off, I mean, the Raptors 905 played them twice, so we got to see them up close twice. But... Yeah, and, and unfortunately, Kaminga didn't play in the second one of those games yeah. um, to, to track his growth. But I thought, you know, it, it's it's interesting because I, I agree on the one hand that, like, in-game, there was a little less tacticianship um, sure. because, you know, it's not – that wasn't the goal of the Ignite team. Like, they, it's cool that they made the playoffs, but – um, you know, that's not the, the foremost thing. But I do think that part of that or part of why it looked that way is maybe that the schedule was 15 games in 25 days. Like like the 905 sure. had like four or five practices over once the, the season started. So if you're if you're looking at Jalen Green and where the coaching may have come in, you know, I think it's more about the game to game improvement or the start of bubble to end of bubble trajectory. Um, because I think a lot of the coaching was probably like video work and stuff like that. Um, I know what he's saying. Like there's a little less X's and O's at, at the timeout or whatever. Mm. Um, I also thought Bobby's comment w- was pretty interesting in the presser that, you know, one of the things they lose watching these guys on tape versus watching them in person is you're not sitting up close to see how they're interacting with teammates and what they're like in the huddle and, and right. all that stuff. So, um, you know, when they're on the bench or if they get pulled after a bad game, Bobby didn't say this stuff. I'm just extrapolating now. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that I think too, like they ever, they had scouts in the, in the bubble and they were at those games a lot more than they were the, the, the NCAA games. So um, it's definitely, I'm very curious to see where green and Kaminga and, um Todd and Nick's all look kind of out of the gate here yeah for sure nobody drafted Amir Johnson or Jared Jack I don't think so and Kai Soto's off in uh off in Australia now so yeah um no it's it, look it's interesting I, I think uh you know that's I think the point you made about the practice is very important plus also if we're going to be completely honest and real I watch a lot of NBA games especially for losing teams which most prospects end up going to the ball is just rolled out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, run, pick, and roll. Doesn't work out. Clear out, ISO. Maybe don't even clear out. Spacing is sometimes bad. So, Are you suggesting so. that Dwayne Casey was running the summer league offense with the Pistons <laughs> last year? <laughs> hey, you've got three centers. Just run off screens from them until you can get open enough to shoot. No, nah, you know, Dwayne Casey was spending all the practice time teaching them how to fold a, a bed sheet. Um <laughs> anyway um so we're here we're here to talk about the draft once again the draft um it's finally here which by the way Wait, before should, we sorry uh yeah. to cut you off should we talk about Masai first that's right we should talk about Masai. um so the update from the most recent press conference with bobby upster which literally just happened we're hopping from zoom call to zoom call here um you know his he was asked about this and he said that Masai's, you know I don't, he had breakfast with Masai. he had dinner with Masai. he might be dating Masai. i mean at this point i mean but you know, they're, they're, he's working as usual is, is the answer. So yeah. And, and that's this? what we've, uh, that's what we've heard throughout the process. Like rumblings wise, like, Hey, Masai's still the one making some of the calls and scouting these guys at, you know, whether it's pro day or, or the combine or wherever it is. Um, so yeah, I think 
obviously I, I certainly understand the anxiety of fans that there still hasn't been an announcement that we're on, we're on like borderline CP 24 helicopter following Masai to Muskoka to, to like meet with the MLSE board members at their summer homes kind of thing. Mm. Um, but it certainly sounds like even if he's not going to be back officially, he's definitely like helping the transition and, uh, it's it sure looks like he'll he'll be back yeah which is cool which is cool man you're not worried about uh by the way this is this is the scope this is how insane the um the the toronto specific free agency process is that we're worried about the nba africa league acquiring barack obama as a minority owner slash something you know, like that's that's the level that people are worried at. The thing is, nowhere else in any other city are you worried about this stuff, but in Toronto specifically, we got to worry about what if uh, what if what if the big three is forming in the ball? Yeah. yeah, and I mean, look, we've I don't know about you, but like Eric Green and I have talked for a while that like if Masai were to leave at any point, I don't know that running another team is what's going to be attractive to him. Right? It's yeah. using the profile to you know, affect change. And, and I think that, I think that, I mean, it's not a secret that the basketball Africa league is very important to him. He, he mm-hmm. penned an op-ed for us at the athletic a, a couple of weeks ago about just that. And I think the opportunity both economically and just opportunity wise for, for athletes, there is something that he rightfully cares a lot about. So I'm not saying he's going to go be the president of the BAL or anything like that, but I do, I do think there's something to, you know, hey, if he went somewhere else, it's it's maybe not the Knicks or the Wizards you got to worry about. It's a, a bigger, mm. an opportunity that's a little bigger than than just basketball. Right, for sure. Um, which, by the but way, but then I'm he the... gets Scotty Barnes in the gym, and he's like, "Nah, I'm staying." No, he gets Scotty Barnes yeah. in the Toronto Experience Room, which we'll talk about yes. that as well. That was maybe the only other thing to come out of the presser. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so before we talk about that, though, so the draft is coming up. Obviously, is literally tomorrow. It seems like the two names that are most commonly linked to the Raptors, Suggs is sort of more the presumptive idea in terms of so everyone kind of assumes, you know, a lot of reports that they're just assuming the Raptors are going to take Suggs on four, uh, considering it seems like the top three are going to go Cade one, Jalen Green two, Evan Mobley three. Um, but, you know, if the Raptors stay at four instead of moving up, it seems like they're most closely tied to Suggs and Scotty Barnes. Now, I think for a lot of people, maybe myself included, Talked myself into uh, Suggs very, very early. But I feel like of late, because there's been more speculation on um, Barnes, I have been watching more Barnes, more of it, more closely, which means another three YouTube videos. I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> I hope they're to scale better than that. I know they do. But um, yeah, let's just have that debate. So, uh, you know, you will be taking the side of why the Raptors should take Jalen Suggs at four. And I will take the side of why the Raptors should take Scotty Barnes at four, even though I'm on record and still am that I prefer Suggs. But uh, yeah, let's start with you. Make the case for, for, for Suggs at four for the Raptors. Yeah. I think the big thing is, you know, he's the guy that's left, right. And we were all excited when they moved up from seven to four in the draft, because that's where the perceived drop off in tier is. And you can be excited for that because it means you're getting one of four guys who a lot of the draft experts believe would have been a number one pick in a lot of drafts, or at least in the mix for the number one pick um, with Anthony Edwards and, and LaMelo Ball last year. And, and you know, obviously Lucas should have gone number one, but, but maybe you can make an argument in those years. So you've got four number one caliber guys in this draft. And, and 
the logic is that you can't really go wrong taking who's left. And I've jokingly called it the coward's ideal where you get one of these four somewhat similarly ranked prospects and you don't have the, you don't get, have to go through the anxiety of picking. You mm-hmm. just take whoever's left. Having said that, I do think the best case scenario here, and if a trade-up was at all possible, is Evan Mobley. Yep. Um, I have Green a shade higher than Suggs, which is something that our, our draft guru at the Athletics, Sam Pacini, disagrees with. He's got Suggs at number two, um, you know. But with any of these guys, like of those top four guys, the lowest any of them are ranked on any of the fifteen boards I surveyed mm-hmm. is sixth. Jalen Suggs at six on John Hollinger and Ben Pfeiffer's boards is the lowest any of these top four guys fall. So that's because you know, uh, Shengun is number one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so before we get into the specifics of why Suggs might be a good fit, you know, we can already frame the number four pick in terms of this tiering and in terms of the value play there to where I think if you're going to make a case for Barnes, as you're about to, The argument needs to be, and Bobby kind of alluded to this a little bit, that, you know, maybe the willingness to trade down is trading down within a tier. So Mm -hmm. say the Raptors have it tiered one, two, three, but the Magic have it tiered one, two, three, four, five. And then the Raptors second tier is four, five, six, seven, eight. And there's not a lot of separation there. There's room to pick up an extra asset or two Mm -hmm. in the process here. And, And, you know, sliding down one spot, you know, maybe it doesn't. I certainly don't think Orlando is going to do five and eight for four. Uh, but I think I would try it. I would call them and at least try. Absolutely, it. they could um, really use Suggs if they really were that interested. Yeah, and, and like maybe five thirty-three in a future second is like the more realistic return to slide down one spot. The specifics of the trade don't really matter so much as if you're impartial between Suggs and Barnes or Suggs and whoever there are going to be teams who feel closer to the consensus and want Suggs at number four and will pay you to get there. So Mm. um, any argument for not taking Suggs there or whoever is left at four, but, but likely Suggs based on just about every mock um, that argument needs to be about, I think trading down and squeezing a little extra value uh, for players you have in the same tier. Having said that, I think there's a, I agree. I mean, who am I to disagree with the consensus of these draft people who this is their entire livelihood and their entire calendar year? Um, there's a slight drop off after Suggs tier wise and Suggs is the I mean, look, he's the fourth best player on in the draft, I think. So getting him a number four is just, uh, you know, pretty straightforward. I, I know there are arguments for Barnes, though, that, that you're going to make here. And I'll I'll save some of the Suggs scouting specifics until you kind of go opening arguments here grade 12 debate style yeah well i mean look listen the the my argument is largely on this website here called nba.com slash 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 draft slash combine slash anthro anthro it's a lot of slashes <laughs> there's a lot of slashes. you know you know how web pages are but i'm on the draft measurement page okay and there are some impressive uh numbers here and most likely i'm going to be giving these numbers over and over and over again because that is i think Probably the main case for Barnes is that he has the type of uh, build that you would envision turning into a future star, perhaps more so than Suggs. It's not like saying that Suggs is not, you know, it's not like Suggs is Fred Van Vliet height and, you know, doesn't jump or anything like that. Clearly yeah, he's, he's athletic. Four, but he's only got a 6'6 six, six wingspan. Come on, he's man. Not, he doesn't, you know, he's got good bursts driving and, you know, trying to get into contact at the rim, but he's not. Yeah. No, he you know, couldn't. Scotty he Barnes could. is 
the uh, short of Keon Johnson, Scotty Barnes is the athlete. Yeah, I mean, listen, Jalen Suggs couldn't even barber slap Yao Ming, so that's a that's a very important draft com- <laughs> combine issue, I guess. No, but I think with with Barnes, you're getting a guy who's six nine, who is has a seven foot three wingspan, right? To put that into perspective, that's OG, right? OG is six nine, seven three wingspan. From the tape, when you watch him, he's more fluid movement wise than OG, which is you know a bit of a lower bar. OG obviously moves awkwardly, just in general, in terms of yeah. with his. Uh, with I guess it's on brand for him. No, but Barnes is more fluid in that way. Um, you know, he handles the ball. So some people have compared, you know, made the Giannis comparison, called them mini Giannis, which is weird. It'd be like saying someone's mini Shaq. I'm like, that's not a very good player. You know, like yeah. Shaq is very good because he's 450 pounds and seven foot eight. I, you know, that's what it feels <laughs> like when you stand beside him. That's, um, that's what they, uh, <laughs> that's what they introduce him as when he wrestles for all elite wrestling sometimes now. They, they, wrestling's even worse than basketball for exaggerating heights. Wow. At eight foot six. <laughs> the Undertaker. And it's like measuring his hat as well. Yeah. Does he wear a hat? I don't even know, to be honest. I haven't yeah. watched it's wrestling. Like, it's like going back and watching, uh, I'll try to use names that you, uh, you'll recognize, but like seeing Kane wrestling okay. against, uh, against Billy Gunn from Degeneration X and Kane's build at seven feet tall and they're the same height. Kane is terrifying though. As like as as like a 10, 12 year old watching Kane, yeah. I was legitimately like, yo, this guy's terrifying. Also terrifying as a politician now that he's the mayor of some huh? city in Tennessee. Yeah. What? All right. Yeah. No, okay, all right. I didn't uh that's weird. That's but almost- yeah, so, so to give you to give you an idea of Barnes, so in my draft spreadsheet, mm-hmm. I have all these columns, obviously, and there's a notes column where I just put an indicator if a guy ranked top five in one of the draft combine things or in Sam Vecini's like skill component rankings. And I, you know, I, I do the, the usual, Oh, auto auto size, these, these uh, rows or these columns rather so that it fits everything in. And Scotty Barnes is breaking the spreadsheet because he Good. has hand size, standing reach, yep. shuttle time, um, athlete plus, which is my indicator of uh, Jared Dubin's B spark that takes all the combine scores together at nbaathlete.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's also got the Vecini nod as a top five transition player and a top five defensive versatility guy. So um, he has way more of these little notes, things in my spreadsheet than anyone else. I think Keon Johnson is next. And Keon Johnson has a negative one because he's got the, the analytics minus on his so scotty barnes ruining mm-hmm. spreadsheets everywhere so that's that's why he's lower on my board he messed up my spreadsheet <laughs> yeah by the way on this podcast we've already uh, a few episodes ago i actually told the story i retold the story of the bruno draft when remember you made that whole spreadsheet oh yeah and you got 59 out of 60 picks but, ex- but except for bruno which i literally remember you saying damn it because he was like the next five on your on your board. Yeah, so I think what we what I did that year was I had little blurbs prepared for the top for seventy five guys, and it was like if you were a top sixty on Vicini, Chad Ford, or at that point what was Draft Express. I think Chad Ford was yeah. still at ESPN then, yeah. and Javoni was at Draft Express, mm-hmm. and Bruno was like ranked in the sixties or seventies at all those sites. So he kept coming up, and I recognized the name, but. He didn't. He was the only guy without a blurb. Unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. And he went twentieth. It's not like this was a late second <laughs> round pick no, that, the, that we slept on. It was. Uh, the, the, and then they did the thing in 2016 too, where like 
I lived at OVO Center uh-huh. that summer for all those draft workers. They brought in like 56 guys, and then they draft two guys, Pertle and Siakam. Who, who they secretly worked out in Buffalo. Like, what it the hell? It wasn't even is- secretly. Like, we knew about that workout. It was just in Buffalo for visa reasons. And, like, wow. I'm not – I don't have a – I don't have a car. I'm not driving to Buffalo. Wow. So you go see Vladdy in in uh in Triple A, but you won't see uh come on hey, Pascal I, I went, and Jakob. Once uh when Vladdy was still in the minors, there were like rumors he was gonna get called up to Triple A. And me and some friends like bid on the pump fake, drove down to Buffalo, and we're like, you know what? Well, it's a short drive. We'll go see a mm-hmm. bison's game, get some wings and all that. And he was he did not get called up, but Rowdy Telez hit two home runs. So there you uh, go. Oh, you got some. Yeah, there you go. So um, yeah, I mean, the other part of the Bruno story, which I didn't tell, which was, um, so at the score, we would like have to, you know, get the image from whatever, getting images or whatever source. And there were images of every single other player, whether they played overseas or like in college, usually they have pictures, right? For Bruno, there, you literally could not find a single picture of this man. So I just had to use a picture of the Toronto Raptors mascot banging the drum generically. <laughs> You're like, here you go. The Raptors drafted this unknown player so unknown that it's literally just a Raptor banging a drum. Um, anyway, yeah. that's that was. I have uh, uh, I have that up uh, in front of me, and your lead oh, is if you're confused, count us in your company. Uh, yeah. And then you've got that grainy basketball without borders video. Oh yeah, embedded in there. That was the thing. It was like had like 500 views. I mean, like it, it, he was averaging like five points. Like it's yeah. anyway, Bruno. Oh, also, the hilarious. Like, every every Bruno story is funny. <laughs> also, the hilarious note: he didn't work out for any teams prior to the draft. Of course not, man. Which what like you... isn't really true, but at the time there were no like reported draft workouts or whatever. Was it was the... them and Phoenix and maybe San Antonio were yeah. like working them out in private or whatever. I can't believe there's no way Phoenix called. Messiah was like, yo, we'll take Bruno. You got to take him now. We'll take Bruno. Um, <laughs> the, the, the threats, I can't believe that uh, Messiah fell for. But yeah, in if case, you don't give us two firsts for Tyler Ennis, we'll <laughs> take Bruno Caboclo. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, Tyler Ennis, good guy, though. Um, in terms of uh, – so, yeah, in terms of this argument here, I look, I, I think Suggs is a better basketball player right now. Um, I think he's just – obviously, offensively, has more tools. As much as I do like Scotty Barnes for his ability to handle – in transition finish obviously he's like long and can finish that's basically it uh, he's just mostly doing layups there's uh i've seen like 10 clips of him making uh you know cross-court passes where he's driving hard towards um the baseline and he's throwing that cross-court pass basically the hammer play the raptors run like i don't know after every time out mm-hmm. i don't know how it works every time but I've seen that and that's cool. But like, those are like the extent of his offensive skills is like the fact that he can, he's coordinated with the ball. He can handle the ball and he can throw a few nice passes, but that's it. I don't think he really can score at any other levels, at least right now in the NBA. Like if he came to the league right now and played like 20 minutes a game, you're probably getting like five points. Uh, just yeah. to give a little rough sense of what you're getting. I mean, he might get a little bit more than that just from transition play and more than know, five offensive. points from transition. Cause that's all he's going to score in. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and, and offensive rebounds or whatever. But yeah, like sure. this is kind of why, you know, people have talked themselves into him as uh, a bit of a playmaking wing. And it's it's a problem that Raptors fans are really familiar with, uh, with some of their kind of combo forwards over the last couple of years is if you can't shoot, the best way to not hurt spacing is to have the ball in your hands. Mm. So, you know, if, if the offense, like Scotty Barnes played a, kind of a pseudo point guard at Florida sure. state this year. Yeah. And that was mostly because he was their most dynamic passer, but also because, 
you know, you can't choke out the spacing by helping way off a guy if he's got the ball. Yeah. And I think that right now you're right, that that's not, that's not an established half-court skill for him necessarily. I do think, you know, attack a closeout, make the next read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even if he, you know, at his size, you can, you know, they've used OG and Pascal as screeners in the past. I, I don't think sure. there'll be any difference there. Um, but the big thing is he's, he's uh, like the transition game is, is real. And, and he's, yeah. the Raptors love guys who can grab a defensive rebound and kickstart the break the other way right away and Barnes is like that and I think you know short of Suggs and Josh Giddy, he's maybe the most interesting um like live open court passer so you know with that speed and especially when you look at the type of players he could be playing with in Toronto um you certainly see how he could be a non-zero on offense it's just the half court stuff is going to mm. you know right now he doesn't have a track record of shooting he doesn't have a track record of um, really creating for himself in the half court. His like secondary shooting stats don't really suggest like imminent growth. And obviously a guy could have been in the lab and he gets rave, rave reviews for, you know, the, the stuff that the Raptors love, right? Like intangibles, leadership, work ethic, mm. all that stuff. But on the floor right now, we have not seen basically any of the components of, of half court shot creation um, right, at right. a high level. So um he probably has one of if not the highest defensive floor among any like wing or forward sure. um in the draft like i, I think mobley's the the best gonna be the yeah, best defender Mobley's, but, you know is like a freak talent really like, yeah really rare but th- but yeah i mean barnes that's where close. you're at that's where you're at with barnes where he's really gonna help defensively you could do a lot of cool stuff defensively with him pascal and og on the court together and you're going to have to get creative in the half court, which is nothing new to the Raptors. Mm. So you could look at that as, hey, well, they already know how to work with guys like this. Maybe it'll be fine. Or you could look at it as stop tripling down <laughs> on the same on the same no. weaknesses. <laughs> no, Masai is uh, just going to get five of these players at once. And uh, the end score is going to look like a baseball score. Um, look, man, it's the old bench mob days when they play for five minutes straight and win the run like four to two. Yeah, Fred will be CJ Miles taking 10 threes per yeah. 10 minutes. Actually, not even per 36. No, it'd be Gary Trent in the second unit now. Oh, he's, that's uh, that's why they got to resign him. He's going to yeah, take all the 20 shots. million per apparently. That's uh, yeah. I mean, listen, you never know, but uh, yeah, the, you do hear some funny rumors. Like, I, I saw like a tweet, I didn't even follow up on this. It's not even responsible reporting to say this, but I saw some tweet that was like, oh, yeah, uh, Dennis Schroeder, you know, getting a four year, a hundred million dollar deal. And I was like, and he's apparently wanting five years, and I'm like, all right, man, this enough. Just, just, just skip past this thing. Let me, let me know what happens, okay? Because this is messy. But I think the case for Suggs is okay. So the Raptors like transition. Guess what? Suggs is also fantastic yeah. in transition. He also does a couple of other things offensively. Uh, I definitely, as much as you know, Barnes is a good ball handler for his size. Suggs is just a good ball handler. Period. Um, can is much more savvy running pick and rolls. Um, you know, has he's. I mean, he, he. it depends who you ask about the shooting because I think he's had stretches where he shot really well. Guys went under on, on screens, for example. He would pull up and hit those. Certainly at a higher level than Barnes. Barnes, I think he made like 11 threes in college. Like, that's not enough, please. I'm literally look at Ben Simmons shooting splits in, in college. I, I know people compare like, oh, you know, he could be a Ben Simmons type. Ben Simmons at LSU was like 20, 10, 5. Okay, so it's different than Barnes giving you 10, 4, and 4. Okay, but... You know, Suggs also has 
you know, I, I just think that when you, when you're talking about right now, who would be a better basketball player right now? I think Suggs does at least has that portion. He's more well-rounded, you know, I would say. Yeah. And I think, you know, for Suggs that creates like Barnes has an obvious path to being a defensive and transition specialist, like a high, yeah. high, high end energy guy. Suggs's floor is like, I mean, I shouldn't say floor because there are always zero percentile outcomes where guys just bust, but like a reasonable floor projection for him is like a solid starter. Like he is, you can, there's some disagreement on whether he's going to be a good defender at the next level or a great defender. He was mm. really good at Gonzaga and like really looks like he's one of those guys that looks like he loves to defend. Mm. Um, really a, annoying. A Gary Trent? <laughs> Is that what we're um, talking about? GTJ right here? No. Uh, really annoying and effective point of attack defender. Some really good instincts jumping okay. passing lanes. They're taking some gambles, but like, sure. you know, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse lets you gamble listen, uh, as long as you've got the, the closeout speed to make up for it. Um, and then I think, yeah, the, the huge difference here is that, first of all, Suggs can match or, or even beat Barnes in transition because he's a good defensive rebounder for a guard and is the... Uh, other than maybe Giddy, the best, like, and Cade, sorry, I'm not including Cade in these things because he's Cade Cunningham and isn't going to be there at four. Um, but, like, when you want to talk about dynamic open court passers, um, Suggs is right up there. It's not all the way there in the half court, but he's certainly more advanced in, in pick and roll and finding cutters and stuff like that. And the thing that's intriguing to me about Suggs, too, on offense, especially if his shot comes along where teams have to at least respect him to the extent of closing out hard is that he's a pretty smart, like, off-ball mover. He's got some cutting to his game. He gets himself open well. Whereas, you know, the idealized version of Suggs doesn't even have to be a ball-dominant lead guard. He can be kind of a multiplier in your offense where he's distracting off the ball. He has some gravity. He can, you know, run second-side pick-and-roll if you end up liking Fred better as, as the lead initiator. Like, there's all this stuff where the shot needs to come along to open up some of the package Mm -hmm. but i don't think he needs to be a 40 percent three-point shooter to find his way to being a really effective player um my my biggest concern i think with suggs right now is that you dig into some of his shots and not only did he not shoot threes at a great level um he's not an elite free throw shooter and, and then he got a lot of tough shots and on one hand, it's great. You, you need tough shot makers. You need guys yeah. that can just get the shot off late in a clock or in a sticky situation. But it's a minor concern to me that Suggs didn't, he didn't create easy shots um, is what I'm trying to say here. And, you know, maybe that gets better in an NBA offensive environment, although, although Gonzaga's offensive environment was, was pretty friendly. Um, so that's the thing I'll be looking for from him, I think, is you can do – the difficult stuff and you can do the dynamic stuff, but can you, can you just make the game easier too? And and that's a skill that, you know, not a ton of guys end up developing is a way to, and, and, but it is something you're looking for from a top four pick and a potential franchise guy is you gotta, you gotta be able to slow the game down to where you can manipulate it and make the game a little easier in the half court. And that'll be the next, you know, that's where, where a guy like Kate excels and where greens just pure three level shot making ability um, you know, is so valuable, but, but I think that's something that can come. It's just maybe not there yet mm. with the kind of tough shots and turnovers that, that he had at Gonzaga. Yeah, fair enough. Um, in terms of right now, 
this is Wednesday at 1.34 p.m. Eastern. Um, the, the draft is in, I, I guess, 20, 30 hours? 30, 30, yeah, roughly 30 hours. Um, yeah. Yeah, who are you? Who are you, what are you? What are you doing with the pick right now? If you were, let's say you're suing a staying at four. Obviously, they could move up. They move, move down. You never know. But if you're, if you're at four right now, you're Masai Ujiri. The phone's ringing. I'm Bobby Webster because I'm Asian. Um, what's happening? Uh, yeah, I, Suggs is the pick for me. Um, you know, I certainly think that trading up and trading down are both like they're not just doing lip service when they say those are possibilities. I, I think, yeah, of course, you know, Mobley is good enough to give up assets for. And, and I could see the Raptors liking a, a Barnes or a Giddy, you know, maybe a Kaminga. I, I have a little Kaminga a little further down. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see them liking a guy similar to Suggs where you know, if you can pull another lottery pick out of it or something like that, or, or even a roster player, um, I think we forget sometimes that these, these trades don't have to just be picks. You know, uh, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be five and eight for four. It could be five and a roster player for four. I don't know who that is. Uh, we're not Sam Presti. <laughs> yeah, but um, so I think those things are possible, but I think the likeliest outcome is they pick the best player who's left at four. And I think mm-hmm. the likeliest outcome based on all industry intel so far is that that's Jalen Suggs. Right, which I think I would be thrilled with, uh, and I, I'm still you on sets as well. There, everyone was so excited on lottery night because it, they moved into the top four, <laughs> and it meant that you got one of these four guys. And then right. I honestly think that the Suggs shine has worn off a little bit, not because Suggs isn't good, but because he's been getting mocked to the Raptors since lottery night. And yeah, it's, it's it not gets new. a little – it's like when the number one pick – this isn't really happening this year with Cade beyond some, you know j- – the usual jabronis uh, again to, he has to make his bed first otherwise you know it's yeah Jaylen, it's Jalen green's going first i don't care yeah but you know a lot of the times you see like the guy in that top spot because he's in the top spot is the guy you start picking at right and it's like you don't i i don't think people not, like naturally look for arguments of like oh why should jabari parker go number one it's oh why shouldn't wiggins go number one that's a poor example. I think I've asked more questions, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think there's a bit of that with Suggs going on where, like, yeah. you know, you sit with a pick for, what's it been? It's been over a month since the Raptors jumped up to four, mm-hmm. and Suggs has consistently been mocked them. It just gets a little bit boring, and I think people get antsy, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. what else could it be? Um, that's part of the reason why in that one athletic mock draft early on, I put Barnes to the Raptors. Oh I was man, just like, they were they were getting you out of the paint for that one. They, they, I know, they but, were mad but at I you. explained it. I just wanted to see <laughs> uh, how the draft would shake out from there. And then like in that process, it was revealed that the magic would probably move up to number four. Um, if you if you really liked Barnes, and mm-hmm. I do think the Raptors like Barnes. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think mock drafts are helpful exercises for that. Not this week. This week you gotta just make the pick your your team's supposed to make. So um, yep. I think it sucks, man. I think so. Like too. balance of probabilities. I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of what they want to do as well. Like, I think you, you don't have a lot. The Raptors don't really have a guard right now that gets downhill, especially if Kyle Lowry is going, Fred gets downhill, does a really great job of driving and kicking it out. This is one of the things I really dislike what people pick at Fred so much is like, you know, Fred's some sort of like, you know, chucker and he only takes the deal loves taking bad shots, loves dribbling the ball, <laughs> whatever. He is the one of the only players in the Raptors, and last season quite often because of injuries, the only player who drives downhill and creates and gets them actually started. Someone's got to like start the actual play, and a lot of the play is touch the paint, kick it out, rotate, yeah. you know, whatever. Who's creating the first advantage? 
Exactly. Like, and that's... a lot of the time it's Fred. Even if you just look at drives per game or whatever, he led the, you know, he was among the highest percentage in terms of when he drives, how often does he pass? He was like number one in the league for guards. You know, there's some small requirements or whatever, but like, was he number, number one, one for a percentage of time you fall down also? Um, no, I, I still imagine that's DeMar, but uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Any... on a non playoff team in a contract year, I don't know if DeMar was falling down. As <laughs> oh, much. come on, man. Uh, in, in, in any case, um, yeah, I mean, I think Suggs gives you that dynamic downhill threat, right? That especially if you're losing Kyle, let's say, for example, your backcourt is suddenly Fred and Gary Trent. Gary doesn't provide any downhill drive, right? That's play finisher, right? And Suggs is a guy who can actually get downhill, create. He's six four. He he. I don't know. I don't know how to say this. He's just a better basketball player right now than Barnes is. Barnes is a maybe a more potentially better basketball player years down the line if he develops a couple of key areas. I could could I see a scenario where Barnes became better than Suggs if everything panned out? Sure, of course. But you all, you can almost universally say this about anybody. And then at that point, I'm like, why don't, why don't you just take Kaminga then? Because you know he's probably more athletic than Barnes. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean so. if you're talking hundredth percentile upside, yeah. If you're talking brutal, brutal upside. If you're talking look, two years that, from two that, years, that maybe. athleticism <laughs> at six eight with a seven foot wingspan, good uh-huh. broad shoulders to to potentially fill out, and he's already got some ISO game mm. to him. That's a uh, the upside's there. He's just uh, he's gonna have to lead the G League in scoring this coming year. First, <laughs> All right. Well, um, uh, in terms of free agency and stuff like that, I mean, um, there's a lot of reports. I mean, we talked about Kyle like six times on this podcast uh, in the last week. So, um, you know, I uh, I will probably spare you from that. I mean, the only thing actually I'll say is, uh, do you actually see Kyle going to New Orleans? If they're the highest, pos- I think it's possible, man. I think um, you know, I think New Orleans has a couple possibilities there obviously and that memphis trade has freed up some real flexibility both in terms of the ability to create cap space or expand that deal into something bigger um so yeah i think that's a possibility i think i think if you're the raptors you're looking at lowry suitors in kind of three tiers and the first one is the knicks who could just throw the most money at him and not really worry about anything else sure but i don't know that that's a kyle move um, the next, the other tier is, um, and not even a tier really, it's just Philly, uh, yep. a team that has to sign and trade if they want him, yep. because there's just not really a, a path to, to cap space for them and they need your help. And, you know, we'll throw the LA teams off the side because Kyle's not taking $5 million. Mm. Nope. Um, and then the other group of teams is Dallas, New Orleans, and Miami. And those are all teams that have interest. They're all teams that if they needed to, could carve out cap space to just sign him. Yeah. But it'll probably make sense for any of those teams to try to work out a sign and trade mm-hmm. so that, you know, they could structure their off season in a certain way where, you know, for Miami, it's about keeping Duncan Robinson's rights and maintaining the full mid-level or, or for new Orleans, you know, maybe you want to compound some moves with the Lonzo sign and trade first. And then, you know, there are, there are just reasons to do a sign and trade beyond just, Hey, clear the cap space. But if you're the Raptors, that's a situation where you're trying to keep Kyle. If Kyle says, no, I'm going to new Orleans, I can either sign there or you can play ball. And, you know, maybe you get Jackson Hayes out of it, or if it's Miami, maybe you get, you know, we, we did that exercise at the athletic the other week and I was able like in the exercise, Kyle's agent tells me as the Raptors, Mm -hmm. I'm out, I'm signing in Miami period. 
And then I was able to get Casey Okpala two seconds and a big traded player exception for playing yeah. ball. And like, that's not, it's going to look silly on the transaction sheet, Kyle Lowry for Casey Okpala two seconds and a traded player exception, mm. but the other option is nothing. Uh, so I think that that's what you're looking for with Dallas, New Orleans and Miami is they can bluff hard and maybe even mean it that they'll just clear the space to sign Kyle, but you can maybe get something for, for playing ball there. All right. Fair enough. Um, Gary Trent, 18 to 20 million. That's not maybe in like the fourth year where it's a team option. It, yeah. But like, that's not going to be the annual average salary is 40 million. I mean, I just are 20 million. I just don't see a team out there, even though there's teams with money and I don't, I don't think Gary's a bad player whatsoever. I just don't see a team saying I'm going to put up 20 million for this player who is restricted and we're going to give them multiple years and a really long deal. And that's our guy. Like, I think they see the same thing. The Raptors or not the Raptors, I guess everyone else sees, you know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah. I play around with my own little metrics that I don't really publish, like trying to dollar amount guys. Um, it's only a one-year window. I don't have like the long-term progression built in. I've got sure. Trent around like $7 million. Obviously he's going to get way more than that because he's so young and has the shooting profile. Mm. Um, and those are exactly the type of guys who, if someone's going to get an RFA offer, yeah. a young guy with some size who is already established at the uh, incredibly valuable skill in shooting, those guys get paid. Now, if the Raptors, I think you and I talked about this the last time we did one of these and someone was yep. mad at me in the YouTube comments for saying, you know, if it comes to it and you have to go 460 for Trent, that's, especially if you're an over cap team, that's better mm-hmm. than losing him for nothing. Yeah. Um, because it's, that'll always be a tradable deal. Uh, and you're not going to have cap space the next couple of years anyway, pr- most likely. So, uh, but yeah, once it gets to 18 or 20, starting to think about you know sign in trades there too or maybe even just walking away like i obviously it would be unfortunate to have traded norm for someone who only spent a couple months on your team but at a certain point you got a a sunk cost is a sunk cost and if trent trent gets up to 20 or nudges higher than that you're paying for a lot of projection that just yeah like i said i think i've got him at like seven million or something like that and you can you can make a reasonable bet on, on a guy like that um but paying three times what his current level is 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 uh quite a projection then again he's a 39 percent three-point shooter and he's 22 years old so yep that's that's what the agent is saying right now, which is, yeah. um, you know, if you honestly, if you, even if you just break it down very simply like this, if you go on, you know, basketball reference or I guess NBAstats.com, you type in minimum seven three-point attempts per game, minimum 39% shooting, and like, I don't know, weed out the guys who play like four games, you know, at the end of the season. It, the whole list is guys who are either star players or guys who are buddy healed who gets paid 20 right uh you know joe harris who gets paid you know i think 18 you know what i mean like it's even duncan robinson coming up you know i would say duncan's a better player because he does a little bit more off ball and stuff like that although you know miami and toronto systems are pretty different especially having a a playmaking big like bam but still you know duncan robinson is another guy who fits this profile maybe you know a little bit older as well but he would probably come in at 18 to 20 million um it's just a lot of these guys. There's just a, a type of player that gets an amount. You might say, well, Gary right now, what he's shown so far, is probably closer to like the Terrence Rosses of the world. But like, I, again, I don't think the salary is going to be that exorbitant. I, again, I don't think it's going to go up to like 20, for example. So 
Yeah, I think uh, I think whoever leaked that twenty is maybe a little optimistic or trying to put that pressure on early. Like in, in Canadian dollars, yes, <laughs> it's actually um, actually may, may, still maybe no, actually. Yeah, is the dollar stronger? Uh, it's tough though. I mean, yeah, like to your point about like comparable guys from in terms of shooting volume and shooting percentage, like Malik Beasley over the last two years has almost the exact yeah. same per possession and three point percentage numbers as Gary Trent. And we just saw him get a deal around the range. We're talking about yeah, um, like four sixty, I think. Yeah. And like, you know, there, you can, the tough part is, is that you can get less expensive shooting. It's just way riskier, right? Like, yeah, yeah, are you really going to, you know, is Troy Daniels coming back to life at this point? Oh, um, Georges Nang, like, yeah. like even Bryn Forbes, who doesn't offer anything else really. Like those are the kind of guys with those shooting numbers. And yeah, that, and that's, that right there is why, you know, Trent's market could get really high. We got breaking news on the podcast, man. Raptors right summer league schedule were announced. Oh, that came out before the, uh, before the presser. Oh, there you go. Um, August 8th, New York. August 11, Golden State. August 12, Houston. August 14, Charlotte. Uh, obviously, in, in Vegas, you know, it's a, it's a fun time. You going? Uh, I am, assuming that these, uh, one, that the COVID situation in Clark County doesn't get too out of control, and right. two, that the border agents don't strike as currently planned, which extremely pro-labor strike mm-hmm. to get the deal that you need. But uh, please let me back in the country if you do so. No, nah, they're, they're, st- they're keeping you stuck in Vegas. You're going to have to go to Tampa with the rest of the Raptors. Which brings us to the final portion of the podcast. Uh, yes. We have to bring this up. The, the press conference, so, you know, uh, you know, typical press conference in, in the Zoom setting. You know, people put their hands up. You know, the veteran reporters, you know, go first. Obviously, Blake, you know, obviously a lot more seniority than me has to go. And then, Didn't that go like one spot before you? Two, yeah, you know, um, Aaron, you know, Aaron Rose is there, and then Aaron yeah. asked the question about Pascal, which is what I actually wanted to ask Bobby about. Was sort of like get an update on Pascal, sort of where it is. Update is that uh, you know the Raptors have sent medical staff to go, you know, catch up with Pascal. Seems like he's you know working out. He mentioned, I guess, watching some of the videos and stuff like that uh, that we've seen on, I think, Pascal's IG. So cool. That's you know not really that much of an update, but it, it, I guess it's an update that he's working with some medical professionals. Then. My hand was next, and I don't have a question in mind because that was the question I was going to ask. <laughs> so last second, I was like, uh, you know, what are you guys doing to, like, give the Toronto experience but from Tampa, right? Because that's obviously a challenge. And Bobby was like, well, actually, we have a, quote, the full experience Toronto room, end quote, set up in Tampa Bay where there's – I, I don't even know because I actually asked him a follow-up question like, yo, what's in this room? And he said, you know, some restaurants. And he was like, mm, and he kind of bailed out of the question. But like, Blake, let's just go off of this. What would, if you were Bobby, if you were Masai, if you were Teresa, if you were Dan Tolzman, who, what are you putting into this magical, I guess, essentially not even a room. Let's imagine it more like a museum, a Toronto museum of Tampa Bay. Yeah. So I think, you know, on one wall, I mean, already the Tampa facility has a lot of Raptor stuff everywhere okay, like yeah, be but... the north decals and everything like that what are you gonna um, do show them the expect to win banner that's gonna be moved like yeah banner's probably in there actually that's we can probably already say that it's tough the one thing that i think would be great for it and i don't know if they do it just because it's Kawhi, is that mural that was on queen street of okay. the shot 
Yeah. Um, that that would be a, a wall of it for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you have probably a lot of draft pictures of, of like guys in the draft over the years, Vince Carter, especially. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to think of any serious stuff they have in there and not just like, I definitely think, you know, maybe one wall is done out in um, like, uh, I guess, wallpaper, the sticky stuff or whatever of sure, a, yeah. a scene from the parade, like at Nathan yeah. Phillips Square. I think that really drives home, you know, or, or corrects any misconceptions about a, a Toronto fan base um, or, or a Canadian media market or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think there are headshots of, of me and you and yeah, Big yeah, v, definitely. Yeah, uh, I mean, my own picture in like a different, its own frame. Like, yeah. you know, it's a group photo of me, you and V, but you and V are in the picture, yeah. but I'm in a separate frame by myself. You know what photo it is? It's the Rolson photo. Oh, from yeah. After, from after the, the championship night. Oh, man. Yeah, Blake, I know you're actually saying real serious things. I thought, I mean, yes, some of these things are probably actually in there. Um, but I thought we were actually just going to fill it with our own versions of things, maybe that are more, let's say, less flattery, or not even less flattery, but just more honest about the Toronto experience. So I just got a couple of items I got to put in this room to give them a true Toronto feeling. So um, one, you know, uh, a used transfer that someone else gave to you. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely not an applicable transfer, but you're definitely trying to use it to get to the next transit uh, stop for free. Look, man, I, you know how many transfers you have to make on the way from Paramount Fine Food Center to Scotiabank Arena? <laughs> yeah, it's awful. And uh, that's think, a that's a heavy transit route. That's what that's they're setting that up. That's a different room for the p- prospects are working out at 46 and 47. <laughs> the, the number four picks getting the, the more VIP experience. Um, you're getting a A&W in there, obviously. Okay, yeah. A&W not nearly as prevalent in the States, but in Canada, especially in Toronto, it's like every restaurant. Yeah, you know what it is, though? It's not just an A&W. It's, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the Horseshoe Tavern yeah, oh, yeah, at yeah, like yeah. Venue and Bar. Just a little portal. There's the A&W yeah. window through it. There's like a mm-hmm. portal into A&W. That's what they've got. Yeah. And on the other side, they is, really have, uh, it's really an A&W. In, what do you say, sir? Freshly flown in A&W, yeah. I was going to say, it's really an A&W uh, glory hole. Um, in any case, glory hole oh, donuts. God. It's got to be. <laughs> what am I doing? Um, what else are you going to have in there? A weed dispensary? But in the yeah. same. On, uh, on every, in every corner of the room, though. Actually, yeah, though. Like every single one. <laughs> there's one here. There's one here. Um, and adjacent, in the same building, the same historic building as that weed dispensary, there is also a shopper's drug mart. You got you to gotta get them set up with a, with a PC a, a points account immediately and not even before they even when they're in tampa you know they got to give them some points um what else is quintessentially true about toronto um so you know one thing that bobby mentioned was sort of like okay when you come to the city here's an idea of like you know the neighborhoods you might be living in sort of like what kind of price range it would be like you know what kind of what the neighborhood is like you know so um you're probably giving them a floor plan of a, of a, of a condo um no, no bedrooms just just maybe a bathroom and uh, but a bachelor's with potentially a bathroom, 400 square feet uh, for, for $1.6 million. No, no, in, but in it's Liberty not, Village. it's not listed as 400 square feet. It's listed at like 650 square feet. Right, but right, most right. of the square footage falls in like these little tiny spaces like this, where there's no, there's no functional <laughs> use. Yeah. It's just a really angular unit. <laughs> yeah. If you imagine Tetris is that little L <laughs> that's yeah. that you're, what you're living in right there. Um, what else uh, you're getting? Uh, 
you know, I do think as much as we could say A&W and, and Chopper Strawberry, I do think Bathurst Station patties are making oh, yeah, it yeah. in. A patty, yeah, definitely. There's a half a patty in there. I mean, just but, but, what Bobby actually said was that there is like food and restaurant, I guess. He said yeah. restaurant. So I'm imagining like it's not just the inside of, of Shugo, which nobody's ever been to. Um, <laughs> it's actually, it, they also on a TV screen, they just have um, the Osmos ads oh, running constantly. Yeah. And they're just like, look. We this can't is, circumvent this, the cap, but you have this to look forward to. This that could and the, be you. the peanut butter, the champ witch. Yeah, yeah, this could be you. Uh, a pizza pizza for sure has to be in there with Barniani, obviously. Especially when they do the draft work off for Josh Primo. Just yeah. let him know, like, yo, one for one, you're Canadian, you know the vibe. Um, what else is actually in this Toronto room? Uh, you know, you know, Araba. Yeah, the, the obvious joke to make here, Will, is asking if the prospects have to wait in line to get in the room oh that's right that's right and actually that's part of the simulated experience yeah yeah but they also have fans like blowing like it's like uh, a <laughs> minus 20 degree temperatures at you so um listen I, I just hope that you know scotty barnes you know jalen suggs uh I, you know whoever else worked out like just i hope you guys enjoyed that experience and um you know, it's actually really thoughtful. Jokes aside, it really is very thoughtful that Raptors chose to do this because it is a unique disadvantage. Part of this whole thing is you're basically winding and dining all these, you know, prospects that come in. Whether you're going to draft them or not, you want to leave a good impression, obviously, with these guys. They're going to be in the league. You might need to sign trade for them later on. These things that matter. Of, of course, agents matter as well. So this is actually a really cool thing the Raptors are doing. And um, it does suck, though, that they can't actually just, like, literally take them around in Toronto, but. A yeah. cactus club? You think they got a ca- you, got, you think they got EFS in there as well? Man, not yet. There's probably too many rules about it. Yikes. Although, uh, you know, um, Raptors over everything legend Ishmael Wainwright was posting pool selfies from from Florida this week. So, um, mm. you know, maybe there is a pool scene down there. I don't know. Wow. Mm. I don't know, man. I mean, I listen. You, I, you, uh, by the way, if if that goes through, you got to get him on this pod and just be like, we we accidentally broke your signing, joking around months before it happened. Oh, just yeah. like throwing a random Euro name out. Yeah. Um, before we let you go, Blake, anything? Um, do you have any uh, deep thoughts into Trevor Gleason or Earl Watson being hired to join the coaching staff? No, uh, I just say that I, I would expect uh, another. Name to leak uh, mm. very soon. One that people um, mm. people in the know, I think, uh, around here will be excited about. Uh, I don't know if there's like large league uh, knowledge of this person, but oh. certainly from uh, Canada basketball and player development perspective, okay, um, cool. there'd be reason to be happy about it. I, I'm not saying the name just because I, wow. I don't know what, that it's 100 percent yet. But come on, man. Um, we're not trying to get aggregated. You're not, you're, not, you're, not, we're not, you're not trying to get this podcast aggregated? You're not going to let no. people know that? Uh, you already per- got Ishmael Wayne right, man. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, look that up. That We weren't actually kidding. But. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to think if there would be a back of the bench shakeup at all, just because like, there are, hmm, there are right. a lot of second row guys right now. So hmm. um, maybe someone else is outbound or, or headed the 905 to, to beef up Matumbo's staff or something like that. I'm not Do you really... think Patrick comes back? Uh, no, I think he's probably going to do another 905. Okay. Or, it was just like that. Was, he was It awesome. was so short. It was like. Yeah, it, he was awesome. But like if you're talking about he wants to get better as a head coach and see what the full experience is like. Yeah. That was. Uh, he did an awesome job with that team. But I. 
that experience versus an actual full season is a, a big difference, I think. Yeah, for sure. All right, Blake, we got all the information we can squeeze out of you. Um, apparently, that stops short of <laughs> who this mysterious coach is. So I'm looking forward to uh, DMing yeah, I'm you. sure people know who it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's great. Uh, anything you want to plug? Anything? What are you What are you doing for draft night, man? What, take us through uh, what, what you What you got going on? I know you. Got yeah, to- I mean, it'll be the usual for me. Um, obviously, the Raptors will will pick or they'll make a trade, and I'll be on top of it at the athletic, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll break down whatever happens in the first and then probably Friday morning, I'll put out stuff on the two second round guys uh, who are hopefully guys that I've done profiles on. I got lucky last year, went two for two, but this wow. year's pretty wide open. Okay. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, man, uh, the athletics half off right now. So if you haven't subscribed before, you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, man, it's uh, you know how it goes. It, yeah. it's it's a higher pick but it's still draft night you they make the pick you write about the pick you do the press conference tweet out some links what you stay up until yeah. 3 a.m watching youtube videos say the picks are great and, and creating uh you know trying to keep track of which undrafted free agent signed where right right you know That's you always gotta watch out for that with with the raptors you never know and, yeah. and honestly you know you and you and kelsey are the two like leading i'm not even saying this as a joke like you guys are the leading sources for uh who who you know the end of the bench guys that that may come out like you know i'm gonna put you yeah on i'm gonna I put mean, you on twitter leagues... for for like at least 30 minutes yeah i mean kelsey's already had one summer league name she put out there and matt morgan the uh go. two-time 905er uh, and kind of shooting specialist so he'll be he'll be there i assume malachi flynn will be there freddie gillespie will be there um unfortunately jalen won't be there harris but Suggs might be yeah there, so. um I don't think Utah will be there just because of the, the timing with the Olympics. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, you know, I hope he's not there. I hope he's having that coffee with uh, Takeshi that, 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 yeah. that Nick wasn't able to have. Yeah. And honestly, man, with three years under your belt and, and like rotation minutes last year, like he's probably a little bit past he's done where enough, a guy man. would go to summer league. But like Malcolm Miller went in the same situation the other year. Yeah. Um, Paul Watson should probably go just because he's coming off injury and has that non-guarantee and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. But we, we know for sure that um, Gillespie and Matt Morgan will be there. Almost certainly Malachi Flynn. Uh, definitely the two second round picks. And, and then we'll see with the number four because sometimes the high lotto guys don't actually play. That'd be disappointing. But Yeah, there you go. All right, Blake. Follow Blake. Obviously, you already do. So, uh, read his work. Subscribe to The Athletic. And, um, yeah, we'll look forward to what happens in the draft tomorrow. I'll be doing another podcast about the draft tomorrow. I can't wait. So, honestly, I just can't wait to end the speculation. I want to know who it is, and we can actually focus on that player and start gassing him up. So, thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, check back in tomorrow. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.